Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. On today's episode, our special speaker, Sophie Smith, will be talking on her personal eating disorder recovery. Sophie is an eating disorder advocate who's currently studying a Master of Social Work and she's aspiring to work within the mental health sector. So without further ado, here's Sophie. She'll be talking on her personal experience and we hope that you can take from this talk that recovery is definitely possible. Before we get on to Sophie's inspiring recovery journey, uh, as usual, we are going to start off with our challenge of the week, which we feature in each episode. And my challenge this week was the second COVID wave that has happened all throughout New South Wales. I think I speak on a lot of people's behalf that it is quite a scary time, especially because it has been during the Christmas break where people are on holidays. And this is usually a time when it is a time to get all your friends and family and just spread love and cheer during this time. But obviously for a lot of people, it wasn't this way. And my hearts and prayers are for those who didn't get to spend Christmas with their friends and families. But how I overcame that was that, of course, I have it much better than a lot of people in different countries where COVID is a lot worse. So I'm very grateful that I am in the position I am in New South Wales at the moment, especially not like Northern Beaches where they are in lockdown. So I'm definitely sending my love out to all of you who are in similar situations. But without further ado, let's jump into Sophie Smith's podcast. It's actually really funny because I attended one of these talks myself um, quite early on in my recovery. And it was a massive part of, I think, helping me because I really identified with the person who was speaking. And it's just such an honor to be here <laughs> sharing my own um, experience with you all. And I really hope I can, yeah, at least maybe plant a seed for some of you, um, inspire some of you through my story. But I just like to obviously acknowledge that everyone's recovery experience is different. So what I tell you about how I recovered won't necessarily work for everyone. But um, yeah, I hope I can give you some, you know, inspiration and some recommendations along the way. So I guess I'll just introduce myself a little bit um, more. So my name's Sophie, my pronouns are she and her, and I'm 22 and I live in Sydney with my twin sister and my brother. And I have quite a close relationship with my brother and sister, um, especially being a twin. I was born in England and I moved to Australia when I was about 10. I, yeah, I moved to um, Perth in Western Australia when I was about 10 and I grew up there and did my high school there and then I moved to the Eastern States for uni. I completed my first year, uh, um, my first degree and I, yeah, just finished that in May and now I'm doing my Masters of Social Work. So I guess growing up I had a very good relationship with food I guess yeah I didn't really have like much of a disordered relationship until I was older food was always a really like pleasurable thing growing up my mum was quite interested in cooking and nutrition so she always had a really I think healthy relationship with food um, and she'd always like encourage us to like help her with the cooking and yeah I didn't really have any problems I didn't really think about my body or my weight or anything like that I had a what I now see as a very privileged, you know, upbringing. And so I guess a lot of that probably contributed as well. Like I wasn't bullied or anything like that. And I did have thin privilege growing up. Uh, in terms of my personality, I've always been, I guess, quite a, what people would call an A-type personality. So quite a perfectionist, very hardworking. Um, I had that sort of drilled into me from quite a young age. I had sort of schooling I went to. Yeah, I've always been quite sort of, I guess, obedient, 
and liking sort of order and structure, very organized, and I guess also quite anxious at times, especially like socially anxious, which I think I've noticed more growing, growing up and being an adult. Yeah, that's sort of my personality. And yeah, in terms of interests, obviously eating disorders advocacy is one of my interests, but outside of that, I like uh, listening to music, reading uh, mainly sort of young adult fiction, watching TV and movies, all that kind of stuff, and dancing as well, because I grew up um, as a ballet dancer until I was about 17. So yeah, I've always loved dancing and I find that a really great way to get rid of stress and not think about <laughs> uni and all of the stresses of life. Yeah, now we'll move in, I guess, to talking about how my eating disorder started. So my eating disorder started when I was 15 and I was in year 10 at high school. Basically, there are a number of factors that probably contributed to my eating disorder, um, which I recognize now. But at the time, it was mainly because I had to weigh myself in PE class as part of our fitness testing. And this was compulsory for all of the girls in my school. I went to a private girls school and yeah, I noticed from year seven to year 10, my weight was kind of going up and my height wasn't increasing. And I guess I'd been sort of, you know, taught that, you know, if you do, if you gain weight and you don't get taller, then your, you know, BMI is going to go up and you're going to potentially become overweight. And that kind of just scared me, I guess, because um, we have kind of been taught, you know, that being overweight or being fat is bad or unhealthy for you. And yeah, because of that kind of, you know, cultural, you know, conditioning, I kind of got really scared about that. And yeah, I basically decided to start trying to lose weight because I didn't want to become like overweight. I guess I was always quite a self-conscious person and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, yeah, my weight to be something that became like a thing that people commented on or something like that. I guess also contributing factors to my eating disorder was at that time in 2013, my brother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder um, type one, which is quite severe. And he had a period where he was yeah in hospital for a number of weeks. And that kind of really threw my family into a lot of, I guess, chaos and upheaval for a bit. Um, we, yeah, like I said, grew up quite privileged and didn't really have many sort of health or other problems in our family. And so when that happened, it was a little bit of a shock, I guess. And my parents, yeah, became quite worried about my brother and, you know, what, what happened to him and would he even be able to go back to school and how would his life be affected? And because of that, I think that probably contributed to getting my eating disorder because, I needed something to, you know, gain a sense of control back potentially. Yeah, and so that probably contributed. I guess some other things, like I mentioned, I grew up doing ballet and there's always, you know, unfortunately being quite a focus on appearance um, in that particular kind of sport or performing arts. So, you know, I guess there were concerns around, you know, if I became too kind of, I guess, big to be a ballet dancer and, you know, we wore just leotards and tights um, at that age. And so our costumes were quite revealing of our body types. Other than that, I also had a really like significant friendship kind of leave in the previous year, in year nine. I had a really good friend who moved away from um, Perth to America. And yeah, I, I found um, making friends, I guess, a little difficult growing up because I was so close to my twin sister. And um, this friend, yeah, was a friend that I really liked and we got on really well and had a lot in common. And when she left, I guess it kind of left me feeling quite alone and isolated. And I doubted whether I'd have that kind of connection with someone else again, I guess, um, because I, yeah, like I said, I didn't have great success making friends. So I guess pretty much a lot of those factors that I just talked about probably contributed. And so in 2013, that was basically when I started sort of some initial behaviors. None of it, obviously it was an intention to get an eating disorder. I sort of approached my, you know, lifestyle like it was just you know like a lifestyle change and I just um, eat a bit healthier um, do a bit more exercise I sort of became a bit more 
yeah, I guess vigilant about um, what I was eating. I made my mom kind of cook more healthy recipes and found recipes for her to cook. And yeah, it didn't really cause any alarm in my family. You know, they all just thought I was, you know, doing a good thing for my health or they didn't really have any worries about it. But yeah, it was surprising how quickly those initial behaviors really spiraled into an eating disorder. And I guess probably after maybe a few months, yeah, I quickly had became quite obsessed with, you know, food and exercise and weight. I was weighing myself pretty regularly. I was, yeah, doing more exercise other than just, you know, going to ballet classes and PE class at school. I was purposely getting up and like doing more exercise. Yeah, and I was had already quite a few rules around, you know, what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, all this kind of stuff. And it, yeah, started affecting my life quite, quite a lot, really. In the next year, in 2014, yeah, my eating sort of had pretty much set in by that time. So I was in year 11. And one, I guess, significant thing was uh, when I went on a ski tour with my um, school. We went on a school ski trip to New Zealand. And I guess that's one of the first times where I really recognized how much an impact of an impact it was having on my life. So I was really scared about not having control about of, of food on that um, ski tour because we just got put into like cabins with our friends and they provided all the food and we just kind of cooked all the meals. And yeah, I guess not having control around food really um, scared me at the time. I do remember being quite preoccupied the whole time about, you know, is skiing even counted as exercise? Like, how am I going to, you know, maintain all my rules and everything? Yeah. And another part was that because I'd already by this point lost a significant amount of weight, I was cold a lot of the time. And so going on a ski tour probably wasn't the best idea. And yeah, that didn't really help. So another thing that happened in 2014 was that I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is a type of um, inflammatory bowel disease, which is an autoimmune condition and it's chronic. So I still have it. Um, and at the time, again, I just sort of thought I'd been dealt bad luck and I just had this condition. Um, but looking back, I know that was definitely related to my eating disorder and how much stress I was putting on myself, um, you know, to follow all these rules. And I got really anxious when, you know, I didn't have control over food and um, events that potentially involve food. Um, so I started, yeah, I started seeing a gastroenterologist and started taking some medication for it. But again, my eating disorder wasn't really picked up because this whole time my um, weight wasn't really ever classified by BMI as underweight. Um, and so for a lot of the time, my eating disorder just sort of went under the radar. Um, but really, I knew for me that I was, you know, probably, at least I know now, underweight from my weight because, um, yeah, like I wasn't the same weight as my identical twin sister. And, you know, we're like genetically exactly the same. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's pretty much mostly what happened in 2014. A few other things were like more physical symptoms. So that year, I think my mom noticed that my hair started getting a bit thinner um, she'd like put our hair up in a bun for ballet, you know, and you twist it around and my, my hair was always um, not quite as thick as my sister's. So I guess that probably was a red flag looking back. Um, my nails also started getting really brittle that year and they actually fell off, which again, nobody really picked up as related to anything, just thought it was kind of a freak <laughs> incident. But looking back, probably was related to having eaten sort of. So yeah, moving into 2015, I was in year 12. And I think it's important to mention that this whole time, my life was seemingly normal. Like I talk about all these things, but from the outside, I was fine. Like I was doing well at school. I'd always been a very academically capable student and it didn't really affect my grades at all. Yeah, so from the outside, it didn't really seem like anything was wrong, which is one of the reasons why it wasn't picked up for, you know, four, four and a half years. Um, but if people knew what was going on in my head, <laughs> they definitely would have picked it up. Um, because yeah, by this point, 2015, you know, there's a lot of significant school events like the bull. Um, I had a val valedictory dinner, also a father daughter dinner. And 
most of the time I was just thinking about the food. Um, and I, yeah, I look back and I think about how these kinds of significant events were quite, um, I wouldn't say ruined, but significantly impacted by my eating disorder because yeah, the whole time I was just quite, you know, anxious about the food and what I'm eating. And, um, like I said, my eating disorder was quite orthorexic. So a lot of my rules were around, you know, this is good or bad food based on, you know, society's conception of what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And so going to these kinds of events and there being desserts there and, you know, lots of normal food, but me thinking, oh, I can't eat that. Um, I still remember like sitting down at my father-daughter dinner and then bringing around this dessert and this sort of internal battle, you know, where I was like, I really want to eat this, but that eating disorder part of me going, no, no, you can't have that. Um, I genuinely yeah, got to the point where I was like actually scared about what these things would do to me, you know, like irrationally, you know, if I eat this, I thought I was going to gain all this weight or, you know, it will genuinely harm my health. Um, so yeah, it got, yeah, it got pretty bad and obsessive at, at times, but yeah, I can saying that, um, I also, you know, continue to go to ballet, um, continue to go to school and get good marks. And none of my teachers were concerned. There were a few times um, when I was still at school where I think at least one of my friends pointed out, oh, Sophie, you look like you've lost a lot of weight, but um, I never really took that negatively. Again, it sort of more just fed my eating disorder and I, yeah, sort of um, took it as more praise, I guess, that a lot of people have noticed. Um, and so things just continued. Um, I think another thing that was really impacted during that time was uh, my holidays. Um, it was really hard to go on a holiday without, you know, it being impacted by my eating disorder. So in 2014 and 2015, I went on two really amazing holidays to Malaysia and Thailand um, with my family. And yeah, like looking back, they were great, but also a lot of the time was just, you know, preoccupied by my eating disorder. So yeah, I was just concerned about, you know, not being able to continue my usual like exercise regime and thinking because of that, I was going to come back and have gained weight and then have to, you know, lose it all again. Um, you know, like we went out to a lot of restaurants, which was kind of off the... <laughs> Off the table for me because I thought going out to a restaurant like wasn't okay, um, and we were yeah on on holidays we'd always eat out at restaurants a lot, um, and so that really concerned me and I felt like I you know had to be super you know vigilant about only you know having the items on the menu that fit my rules about you know what's healthy and what's not healthy like oh I can't have anything deep fried or you know all that kind of thing, so yeah it, it's interesting I do look back at those holidays and you know in all the photos I'm smiling and I'm happy but. Um, yeah, I know going on, in, on inside my head was kind of a different story. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's interesting. Another thing that I've kind of learned um, is that a lot of my memories from that time when I was really in my eating disorder are kind of impacted. Like my brother and sister will talk about, oh, remember when we went to this or we did this? And I'll be like, oh, no, I don't really remember that. And I think that's really interesting because, yeah, I think it has to do with the fact that my brain was so occupied by, you know, thinking about oh, how many calories is in this? How, what am I eating? What am I going to do after this to like make up for it? Or, you know, just thinking about food so much that I couldn't be focused. I couldn't really be present at any of these occasions, like really nice occasions that are meant to be super fun and happy, you know, like my year 12 bull and my holidays and everything like that. Um, ballet concerts, everything like that um, did, yeah, sort of get a little bit ruined by my eating disorder. So that was my life at school. Um, again, nobody really picked it up. Um, and then 2016, I moved to uni and I moved to Canberra actually first for my first year of uni. Um, and I decided to move interstate to uni, which again was a little bit of a internal battle with my eating disorder because um, I really wanted to move interstate because it was where my brother had moved. Um, 
and I really wanted to get more independent from my parents because um, my parents uh, were around a lot during my childhood and they really kind of did a lot for me and because of that I wasn't really an independent person by the time I was sort of you know 17 um, and so moving into state I thought would really help you know me gain a bit more independence learn how to do stuff for myself like my laundry my cooking all that um, but on the other hand I didn't really want to move into state because I knew I'd be moving into a catered residential hall so I'd have pretty much no control over the food and as you can imagine, as someone having thought of this, really terrified me. <laughs> so yeah, I ended up moving in interstate, but um, as I'll talk about soon, it didn't really, it came with consequences. So um, yeah, in 2016, I moved to Canberra and I lived in a residential hall for a year. And there was a dining hall and there was just sort of buffet selection of food. And yeah, that really, I guess, concerned me because I had less control over the food. Like I didn't know what they were putting in it. And by that time I was pretty, you know, like needing to not necessarily watch my mum cook, but as much control over food as I could have. Like I wanted all that control. Um, and so a way to control this was going vegetarian. So in 2016, I went vegetarian, um, specifically pescatarian. So I still ate fish. And this was a really sneaky way for my eating disorder to continue to not go um, notice because my mum was also a vegetarian and so conveniently it was an easy way for me to kind of restrict my you know food at the dining hall um, and the options I had whilst also it not really bringing up much concern so that was kind of a way I guess I dealt with the anxiety of have of, you know not having much control over food was like oh I'll just give myself less options um, around what to eat um, another really significant thing that happened that year in 2016 was I had this quite significant period of ill health where I had a gut infection, um, which is related to the um, bowel condition that I have. But that basically made me lose uh, even more weight than kind of, you know, the low weight that I was already at. Um, and, you know, at the time it was in a really disordered way. My eating disorder was like, yes, like we're just doing all the normal stuff. I'm losing even more weight. But looking back, it was like really terrible for my health to the point where I actually had to come back to Perth for a mid-year break and I actually had to go to hospital and yeah that's like the first time I'd ever had to be in hospital um, because basically my whole um, bowel was just inflamed because I had this really bad gut infection and really unfortunately the whole time I was in hospital again I was just thinking about oh hospital food I have no control over the food I can't do any exercise while I'm here I really couldn't, you know, like my eating sort of was so entrenched that I really couldn't see that I was genuinely so ill at the time. Like my, yeah, like my gut health was not there. I was just losing weight. I had to, yeah, take like potassium. I was like low on potassium and everything. Um, and so, yeah, basically that was another red flag. The fact that, you know, I couldn't even acknowledge the fact that I just needed to be in hospital for my health. Um, and after that as well, I ended up um, coming off the pill. So I was on the pill to basically help with my skin for a number of years from when I was about 13. And my mom basically decided, oh, you know, you're a little bit, you know, underweight, sort of. Um, maybe we'll make you go off the pill and see if your period comes back. And basically it never did. And so, again, that should have been a huge red flag. You know, like I don't have my period. I'm like, 18 by this point um probably should have been more of a red flag but um yeah my mum took me to the gp and the gp was like oh you know by this time i'd sort of you know gained a little bit more weight back um naturally from when i was sort of well again and again she didn't pick anything up she was like oh you know maybe your period might come back in a number of years and my mum was kind of just like oh okay then you know 
seemingly meant to trust health professionals. So she was like, okay, no worries, <laughs> we'll just continue on. Um, another thing that also happened in 2016 was I went to a mental health first aid course. Funny, because at the time I had a mental health condition that I didn't even know of. But yeah, I remember them talking about eating disorders there and, you know, people with eating disorders might be, you know, anxious about going out and eating out at cafes and stuff. And in my head, I was kind of like, oh, it sounds a lot like me, but <laughs> didn't want to admit it to myself at the time. I was definitely still in denial. Um, yeah, so I really wasn't open to considering the fact that I might have a problem because I was like the last person I expected to have an eating disorder. Um, so moving into 2017, and this was the year when things really changed. So firstly, I moved to from Canberra to Sydney, where I live now, and I switched degrees because I wasn't doing super well in the degree that I was studying. And also I moved to Canberra and none of my um, brother or sister were living there. So I felt quite alone and I had trouble making friends that year in my first year of uni. So moving to Sydney improved things um, quite a lot. Like I was with my sister and we were able to do things together. But in saying that, I started noticing more negative consequences from my eating disorder that I previously hadn't noticed. So um, there were two kind of main occasions. One was when I went on holiday to Bali with my family in the middle of the year. And one was when I went on a cheerleading camp because um, I was in like the cheerleading society as a dancer. And both of those occasions, I felt quite out of control around food. Um, I just remember eating, you know, sort of the bad foods according to my eating disorder. And then um, yeah, sort of not being able to stop and feeling out of control. And when I was in Bali, I sort of had this weird, you know, um, perspective where I thought, you know, just for this one holiday, I'll let myself eat all the food that I wouldn't usually let myself, you know, sort of go on one big binge, if you will. It wasn't really binge eating, but I kind of thought of it like that or looking back, that's kind of what it was like. Um, and then, you know, after that, I'll just improve my rules again and go back to, you know, get myself back on track. <laughs> but really, yeah, I just, I was never hungry that whole holiday because I was always like quite full and just making sure I had like all the food. Um, I guess that kind of last supper mentality they teach you about was just really there. Um, and so, yeah, I guess 2017 was when I started to notice maybe my relationship with food wasn't normal. Like, is it normal just to think, oh, I'll just, you know, have all the bad stuff now and then, you know, um, put all my rules back in place like is that really normal um so basically I went on holiday another holiday <laughs> sounds like I go on a lot of holidays doesn't it <laughs> I promise I don't but um I went on a small trip to Melbourne just a little weekend kind of trip um with my mum and my sister and this was where kind of the light bulb moment happened so that holiday again I kind of tried to be a little bit more relaxed around food but again that resulted in me often you know kind of stuffing my face a bit to the point of being overfull because it was the only time when I could eat certain things and that kind of thing. And it was a really great trip. Um, but again, it was kind of just, I guess, slightly overshadowed by all the food considerations. And so I actually remember, I talk about this a lot when I talk about my eating sort of story, but I was sitting on the plane back um, from Melbourne to Sydney on the way back. And I just remember sitting there and just thinking like, is this how my life is going to be? Like, is my life always going to be just feeling anxious around food, feeling anxious around, you know, going to events or going out to restaurants and just seeming like I need to have so much control around food and exercise and being, you know, so preoccupied about it. Is this really what my life's going to be like for the rest of my life? Like that just sounds really tiring and quite miserable <laughs> because at that point, yeah, a lot of the time I was, especially, um, earlier on in my eating disorder it really did affect my mood like I was miserable all of the time because I was either just stressed or anxious or I was guilty you know I felt guilty if I broken one of my rules or ashamed of it I guess 
And so, yeah, I didn't really want that kind of stuff in my life anymore, I guess. So, yeah, I guess I began questioning, you know, whether my relationship with food was normal. And, you know, I, I guess at the point when I was in my eating disorder, I really thought, you know, like society, you know, praises health and I'm just eating healthy. You know, I always just framed it. I'm just eating healthy. You know, I'm not eating chocolate. That's just not eating healthy. But it was I never eating chocolate for the rest of my life, which was taking it way too far. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just yeah I started to recognize maybe my relationship with food wasn't normal. So um, I've always been quite a self-motivated person, I guess. And by this time I was 19, I was an adult. So I decided to, yeah, kind of think about maybe going to see someone about it. And just by coincidence, honestly, like what a, what a fateful, like, um, <laughs> thing the universe, I guess, chucked at me, but my sister happened to be studying a course in nutrition for general education course. Um, and it was being taught by this nutritionist who happened to be an expert in eating disorders. Like what a chance, lucky for me. Otherwise, I don't know, my life would probably be different now. Um, so I went to see this nutritionist and um, yeah, basically I don't even really remember the first time I went to see her cause I was probably just sweating and so anxious about it. Um, cause I was still, you know, questioning like, do I even have an eating disorder? I don't know. Like I didn't really think I had an eating disorder. I just thought I had something going on. And so I went to see her and yeah, I saw her a number of times and I think, yeah, she probably did make me realize that my yeah relationship with food wasn't really that normal. Um, Cause I remember her, especially once just saying, you know, what's the problem with just eating brownies and me being like, ah, just, I can't, you know, like I physically can't, like that scares me. <laughs> like I can't just eat brownies. Like that sounds ridiculous to you, but to me that's like, that's real, you know, and I'm genuinely scared of that. Um, and then, yeah, she, um, ended up referring me to psychologist and um yeah because she thought maybe I had some underlying mental health issues I didn't really think I did but um yeah she ended up referring me to a psychologist and I went to see my psychologist for the first time and yeah that really kind of got me to think okay I probably have an eating sort of going on and I remember actually um I think it was a few weeks later um I actually emailed my psychologist actually being like, so do I have an eating disorder? Like I genuinely asked her that question and she said, yeah, like I'm according to the criteria you do and you would be diagnosed with OSFED, which is other specified feeling or eating disorder. Cause I didn't really, you know, meet the criteria for anything else. Um, and so, yeah, I began working with my psychologist and one of the first things she got me to do was that kind of, you know, pros and cons of changing exercise and I actually still have it written down in my journal and it's really funny to look back on it now but yeah at the time like they always say I wasn't really completely 100% ready to recover from my eating disorder because you know I did have a lot of fears about it you know I thought I might just keep gaining weight forever and ever and I was worried about what would happen when I let go of my rules because a lot of it was tied up in other aspects of my life by then um I thought you know if I stopped getting all my you know control around food also my grades would go down at uni I, I generally had this kind of belief that my whole world would just kind of yeah become terrible but um yeah so I guess the message is yeah you're not going to be 100% ready you just have to be motivated and by this point I was pretty motivated to change I guess like I obviously was scared but I also just knew that um no one was going to do it for me and I kind of had to do it for myself by that time um, so another thing that happened was that I basically began educating myself around eating disorders and because of that education, I think my eating disorder recovery happened pretty naturally. Um, like I always talk about it. Um, yeah, it happened kind of naturally. I know that sounds kind of weird, but 
I guess to explain, um, I'm always, I've always been quite a logical person and I needed to know that what I was doing was going to work or there was science behind it or, you know, um, yeah, that it wasn't just going to keep gaining weight forever. So I remember um, getting that kind of welcome pack from my psychologist and there were a number of book recommendations and that first Christmas. So I, I began recovering in November of 2017 and that first Christmas. 2017 I got the health every size book and the intuitive eating book for Christmas um best Christmas presents anyone could have got me because I read them and they completely blew my mind like all my beliefs around food all my beliefs around weight health everything was just wrong like I yeah the cognitive dissonance was wild <laughs> but um yeah it really just challenged me so much um because yeah, I learned that there was a lot of science around the set point theory and everyone's meant to be at a weight and BMI isn't necessarily true. Um, being fat isn't unhealthy. Um, you know, your relationship with food is actually more important than anything you could eat. Like that just, that all just blew my mind because I was so focused on physical health, you know, food and exercise. And because of that, my mental health had gone terrible. My relationships had kind of suffered. I didn't think about doing things just because I wanted to when I was in my eating disorder. It was like, you should, you must, you have to do this, all these rules, um, no point doing something just because you want to. And yeah, all of those beliefs got really challenged during my treatment. Um, in May of the following year, so May 2018, I started also seeing a um, health at every size dietitian. And again, she really helped me. She really helped me with intuitive eating and thinking about, um, yeah, like my cues of hunger and all those kinds of things were really helpful. But a lot of it was kind of happening on my part. So I read a lot of books around eating disorders and health at every size, um, started listening to podcasts. I found a forum online that was yeah, really pro recovery, health at every size orientated and, um, I didn't know anyone who had an eating disorder or I'd never known anyone who had an eating disorder. So at the start, as well as feeling a little bit, I guess, not, not in denial because I was past the denial point at that point, but I guess feeling a little bit like alone and maybe not fully accepting my diagnosis. I, yeah, I went on this forum and there was so many people from around the world who had eating disorders as well. And yeah, were thinking the same kinds of things, having the same kind of kinds of issues as me. Um, and yeah, I felt like I could at least relate to all these other people and I didn't feel kind of, you know, crazy. Like, I know that's, you know, kind of stigmatizing word to use, but you know, I, I wasn't crazy for having these kinds of beliefs and generally being scared of eating X or not doing X amount of exercise. Like I, I felt a bit more validated having that kind of community forum. So that was really helpful. Um, and yeah, my eating disorder recovery just happened kind of gradually from then. A really big milestone was when I went on holiday to England in 2018. So my, like I mentioned, my family is all English. And yeah, so this was about six months into my recovery. I went back to England and I'd set this goal with my um, dietitian to really, you know, try and, you know, challenge some of my rules and eat kind of foods that I used to have in my childhood that I wouldn't really be able to eat in Australia. And yeah, that holiday, like kind of changed my life like I felt so free I was able to have this kind of abundance of food all the time which was really important for me because I needed to know that there was like food available so that I wouldn't have to you know eat all in one meal just to make sure I lasted or you know that kind of thing and so yeah that holiday I just felt I felt so free around food I felt just good about myself I felt happier than I ever had I think before and I got home from that holiday um and yeah, I basically just kind of committed to myself, like, this is kind of what I want my life to be like. I don't want to be 
controlled by food. I don't want to be, you know, scared about food. I want to be spontaneous again. Like there was no spontaneity in my life when I had my eating disorder because everything had to be so carefully planned around food and exercise um, that I couldn't just, you know, drop things and run and go do something fun. Um, and yeah, basically from, yeah, sort of mid 2018 until the end of last year, everything happened pretty gradually. I started, you know, loosening up my rules and nothing really terrible ever happened. I stopped weighing myself, which was like the best thing <laughs> that I could have done and haven't really weighed myself since. And I never would. Um, yeah, I educated myself. Um, and yeah, basically it all just happened quite gradually. Um, once I started doing, you know, one thing, it sort of just led to the next thing. I also have been really fortunate in how supportive my family has been. Like my family, I know, know that not everyone has that, but yeah, my family, you know, were a little bit um, potentially not disordered, but, you know, had a few problematic beliefs um, before. And my mum, you know, would go on the few diets when I was growing up. But when I really taught her, you know, about around me, you can't say this, you know, you can't mention calories. You can't really call certain foods unhealthy or healthy. Um, you can't say fat is bad or that kind of thing. Um, yeah, they were really supportive and they really listened to me and yeah, implemented those kinds of, I guess, rules around conversation. And especially this year and last year when I've been living with my brother and my sister, um, having them around to model a really healthy relationship with food was also super helpful because I think um, one thing that's been really helpful for me is kind of not feeling alone and like, you know, if I'm eating chocolate and everyone else needs to be eating chocolate to show me that it's okay, that kind of mindset, I guess I really had to have. Um, and so, yeah, it was really helpful having my brother and sister around because they have really positive relationships with food. They've never had any issues around anything. And so they were really able to support me and yeah, make me feel more comfortable um, that, you know, it was okay to just like have snacks and just have a healthy relationship with food. Um, and along the way, I've really educated them as well. You know, like it's so funny now they'll often say stuff like I'm a this on the hunger scale because I implemented that and I taught them all about that. And so, yeah. I think we've all benefited honestly from my eating sort of recovery. Like I wouldn't wish anyone to have an eating sort of like, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Like it definitely made those four and a half years, you know, looking back, not the best time in my life, but I've learned so much about myself through recovery. Um, a lot more than anyone else in my family. I've been able to really delve into my values, gain so much insight into my childhood and, you know, who I am as a person. And yeah, none of them have been able to do that because, you know, they haven't really gone through recovery or, seen a psychologist or anything like that and so it actually has been kind of beneficial in a way like not that I'd want to go through it again but yeah it has really helped um yeah me kind of develop as a person yes also because I've you know been at that kind of developmental stage at the same time um and so where is my life now um I guess yeah a whole lot better um I'm, I'm happy I yeah I'm able to kind of do whatever I want now like food and exercise and weight and all that kind of stuff just isn't a factor really anymore. Um, I can just do things that I want to do. Food plays, yeah, a tiny role in my life. Like I just, I just eat food. Like I just eat food. I eat food that I like. Um, I have no really, yeah, issues around food. You know, there's occasions when, you know, things might be a little bit rocky, but um, other than that, like, my relationship with exercise and food is so much better and probably a lot better than a lot of members of the you know public that potentially still have slightly disordered relationships but yeah my life is so much better so much freer so much more spontaneous um, I'm able to just fully engage in you know events and 
occasions. Like I don't have to be preoccupied with what am I going to eat later or anything like that. Um, and so all the memories that I've made since recovery, like I've been to some amazing concerts and yeah, been on some amazing holidays and I can really remember them. You know, I don't just have to look at a photo and, you know, see a smiling face, but know behind that something else is going on. Um, now I can really, yeah, I can really be present in my life. I can really enjoy things. Um, and not be burdened by my eating disorder, I guess. Um, the analogy that I like to use is that kind of when I was in my eating disorder, it's like my eating disorder was in the driver's seat kind of of my life. Like if it was like a car, you know, like my eating disorder was in the driver's seat and was directing, you know, how my life was, what things I could and couldn't do, just everything. But now that I'm recovered, it's basically like I'm in the driver's seat now. I've kicked my eating disorder out. It doesn't even really exist anymore. Um, and so I'm able to have full control over what I want to do. And it's not my eating disorder that's controlling my life. So yeah, that's, that's basically my, my recovery story. Well, thank you, Sophie, for sharing that personal recovery journey of yours. I have no doubt that it will definitely inspire those who are currently struggling at the moment. And if you have any suggestions for what topics or questions you would like covered in a next episode, please feel free to send us an email at bodymatters podcast email at podcast at bodymatters.com.au and give us a review if you enjoyed this podcast and we'll see you in two weeks time.